So let's read it together. I will read the first part, and then you respond. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him alone does great wonders. Who by His understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And brought Israel through the midst of it. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate. And freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. So give thanks to the God of heaven. Amen. His love endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. And so it is four simple words that we repeat over and over. But church, again, we're just going to briefly look at um, what it means that he is God, our creator, God, our redeemer, and God, our provider. But it is all wrapped up in him being God, who is love himself. And so, first let's look at this. Before we even get to God being our creator, uh, what the psalmist says first is that um, he is God himself. And I think that's important. If you even remember, we won't go back and look at it, but uh, if you remember the, the, the prayer that Jesus teaches the disciples, we often call the, the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. Do you remember how it starts? Our Father who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name. And so before we even, when we pray, before we even get into um, asking God for things, what do we do first, church? First, we recognize and acknowledge who he is. That's so important. Whether we're singing this psalm together, a psalm of thanksgiving, or it's in your own time of prayer, let's remember that. Before we go to God with our prayer requests, let us start by recognizing who He is and acknowledging, God, You are the God. 
you are our creator. You are the God above all gods. The psalmist says we should give thanks to our God. Why? We give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We say his love endures forever. And then it says he is, we give thanks. Why? To the God of gods and the Lord of lords. We are recognizing who he is. He knows who he is, but isn't it good for our soul to say, yes, you are God. Because I think it also reminds us that we are not. It puts us in that right position, church. So we come before God and first, just like the psalmist, he starts by giving uh, recognition uh, and worth to who he is, first and foremost, before he even gets into the things he has done. He is God of gods and Lord of lords. Amen. So that's verses 1 and 3. Then verses 4 to 9, he starts to uh, uh, you know, unpack why he is good. Because the first verse is, give thanks to God, the Lord, for he is good. Here is why he is good. Verses 4 to 9, he is our creator. And the way to sum up these verses is simply this, that he is a God who alone does great wonders, verse 4. And then he kind of mentions the different wonders, the thing he has done. So our God is creator of all things. You know, God is uh, the ultimate artist. He is creative. He is creative. We see that in the very opening pages of the Bible, that God creates If you have any sort of creative acumen or creative bone in your body, no matter what it looks like, it comes from being made in the image of God. And and we all do, we all have a creative side to us. Some of us express it maybe more uh, or in different ways, right? We create, whether it's in music or it's in art or writing poetry or crafts or whether it's with your hands or, or not. The idea is that we are creators because we have been created. Right, We are the creations and we have a creator. And so that's first and foremost to remember that he is good because he is a creator. And it says in verse 4, to him alone does great wonders. Why? It just said that he's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. So again, the psalmist says to him alone, he is the creator. There was not a group of creators, a group of other gods. There is one God, one God of gods and Lord of lords, one creator, right? He is one creator, and he alone does these great wonders. And what are these great wonders? It says, even from his understanding, he made the heavens. He spread out the earth above the waters. Again, this is referring back to Genesis 1, right? He made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars uh, to govern the night. He is creator. It, it harkens back to Genesis. You'll notice well, another beautiful thing uh, uh, and unique thing about this psalm is that it often quotes other parts of scriptures, namely Genesis and, and passages from Deuteronomy. And so it's good to know your Bible, church, because you see this, you're like, wow, he's referring back to Genesis 1. Or in other parts, you see stories from from Deuteronomy and and other parts of God's attributes and dealings with his people. We see the psalmist laying it out here. And so God is um, creator, first and foremost, that he is our creator. He has great he has done great things and by great wonders. He has made all there is to be to be made the great lights, the sun, the moon and the stars. Church, do you take the opportunity to go outside and just wonder 
at what's going on around you. I do love going to the beach in the evening and the sun comes down and and it gets darker and you can see so many more stars. There's not as many lights. Isn't it a wonderful thing? I love to see all the beauty of all the multitude of stars over the ocean. You can see the vastness of the ocean and you're sitting on the sand and you just see the the stars. Isn't it beautiful? You know, um, it was a a few nights ago that my son-in-law, Ben, who I mentioned, um, we were sitting outside and we were looking and I said, wow, I said, look, I think that's a shooting star. And he goes, no, it's actually a satellite. Yeah, I thought I was looking at the beauty of God's creation and what I saw was a satellite. I'd never seen a satellite. You can look up in the sky and it's that he said, yeah, they're the ones that's not blinking. If it's blinking, it's a plane. But you can see if you see something that looks like a distant star, but it's moving, it's a satellite. There are thousands of satellites up in space as we speak. You know that? I don't even know why I mentioned that. That is totally off topic. God didn't create the satellites. But isn't it amazing, right? Isn't it amazing? So anyway, it's this idea that he is um, a creator. and We can look and see all of the, the beauty of his creation. You know, it, we see uh, Romans one twenty four. since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being um, understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Right from from the beginning, his invisible qualities have been clearly seen. Church, do you clearly see it in him being our wonderful creator? But not only is he good because he's our creator, he's our redeemer. Verses ten to twenty, uh, it says that he was. Um, the psalmist is saying we are protected by the God in verse thirteen with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Do you ever just in despair reach out to God and just you're just um, longing for him, crying out, God, how long? And you're saying, God, reach out your arm, your outstretched arm and your, your loving hand towards me. Right? Isaiah 41.10 describes us as, as being um, held in the righteous right hand of God. It is the hand of God that is, and his arm is outstretched to us, church, because he is our redeemer, our rescuer. Remember the people of Israel were reciting this, remembering how he redeemed them. But what does that mean for us as the church? It means that he promised the Redeemer, he sent the Redeemer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have a Redeemer. The whole world has a Redeemer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would believe, simply believe in him, would not die but have everlasting life. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us in a way He is redeeming us. He will complete and conclude and bring to consummation that redemption when He returns for us. We have been justified. We are being sanctified. We will be glorified when He returns for us because we have a Redeemer in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we thank God for being our creator and our redeemer. And then finally, before we go into our time of, of uh, communion together, we uh, are reminded that God is our provider. Another beautiful attribute of our God. It says he gives us food, right? Because it goes through the whole story of, um, of the Red Sea and it goes through the story of God's redemption of his people. Have we struck down the kings? He did all of that. But then it says in verses 22, uh, 21 to 25, He gave their land as an inheritance. 
He remembered us in our lowest state. It means when they were brought low in humility. He freed us in verse 25. He gives food to every creature. See, God not only is our creator, not only is he our redeemer, but then he provides. But isn't that just like God to say, not only am I going to create you, I will redeem you and rescue you, and when I do, I will provide. It's like Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, heard my cry, lifted me up out of the pit, right? Out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. He redeems us, but then he provides for us. And they simply say, you provided for us. Now it's interesting, and the psalmist, the psalmist is saying, yes, you rescued us from Egypt, and even in the wilderness, you gave us food. And he's being thankful for that. Were they very thankful at first? For the food? No. They started complaining right away, didn't they? Well, we love those big pots of meat we had back in Egypt. We wish we had those. And then God provided, man, it wasn't so good enough. He provided manna from heaven. Man, it's, it's really not that tasty. It's not that good, right? And so the idea is we can be grumbling when we forget about God's goodness, but it should always move us back to thanksgiving, shouldn't it? You know, I won't read it, go through the whole thing. Matthew 6, remember what it says in Matthew 6, just about um, how he has uh, told us not to worry, right? And, and there it is. I won't read the whole thing. But Matthew six twenty-five to 33, it reminds us that we don't have to worry about those things. He will provide the food. He will provide the clothing. He will do all that. But seek first the kingdom. But all these things the psalmist brings back around in verse 26. He sums it up by saying, give thanks. Give thanks. Why? We give thanks to Him, the God of heaven. His love endures forever. See, church? He's our creator, our redeemer, our provider. But you know why He's all those things? Because He's love. And because He loves you. And because He loves me. His love for us is shown in His creation. Is shown in His redemption. Is shown in His provision so all three of those things are because of his great love right it is the common denominator and it is an last an everlasting love in the niv which we read it says his love endures forever when you endure something church isn't there a sense of like wow you know it's not happening exactly as you wanted it to be but you're enduring it right so what does it mean at least in this translation, His love endures forever. I think there's a sense that even in our disobedience, in our unfaithfulness, He is still loving towards us. See, His love endures all of our disobedience. His love endures us walking away from Him and choosing other things other than Him. His love is steadfast. His loving kindness is everlasting. His love endures forever not only is it enduring our unfaithfulness but it also means it has no end and isn't that a great way to end our time and move into communion that his love for us is unconditional his love for us has no end